Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie Lower Decks Church House and Nathan Power Bottom Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage! It sort of does, like lower, lower power. No, because I'd have to be the top, wouldn't I, to be the opposite? <laughs> no, but it was. Uh, it's meant to be like a similar thing because, like, lower, lower oh, yeah. is like bottom, but also lower is like power. I mean, yeah, yeah, Dex no. sounds like dick. <laughs> the reach is very impressive. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. A lot of people have said that about Jake. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, hi guys, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I've just come back from doing some shows in Brighton on the south coast of England. Oh, um, very nice. And very nice. It was very nice. Um, I uh, did a gig on Monday night, and I asked a guy in the front row what he did for a living, um, and he said that he was a talent agent. And then I spent the entire gig panicking that I like that this was going to make or break my career. And then at the oh, end, I went God. and spoke to him, and he came over and he shook my hand and he said, "Oh, that was really good, well done." And I was like really excited. And I thought he was going to like offer me like representation or something. And then uh, I asked him. Like what sort of people he rec- he uh, does the the like he represents and who, who he's an agent for and stuff and it turns out he's an agent for hand models. What? <laughs> he's not a comedy agent at all. Oh he, my god, that's he, so funny! I love that he's like got the shittiest job ever, so he has to introduce him. Oh, like I'm a talent agent. <gasps> what kind of talent? Uh, <coughs> hand. <laughs> yes, <they were> an <laughs> occasionally feet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know that that was a thing, but apparently it's like there's what, specific modeling? people who are hand models who have really nice looking hands, and whenever there's like a close up oh, yeah. shot of a hand picking something up, that's not the actor; it's like a hand model. A e what? I didn't know that. That's weird. I knew that you can get yeah, paid a lot no. of money for like a um, like a jewelry photo shoot, for example, like. One of my friends who is a model. Yeah, but that's the, she that's got paid the two Premier grand. League. What? Yeah, that's the Premier League of hand modelling, I imagine. I don't think <laughs> what, my jewelry? friend's not not the Premier League of hand modelling, but like like it's not <laughs> but yeah, she got paid two grand to just like hold her hand and have some rings and stuff on it. That's yeah. mad. Yeah. Well, that's so that's what my week's been like. I've learned about hand modelling and uh, n- nearly had a change of career by uh, going with him and becoming a hand model in Brighton. Um, <laughs> but other than that, nothing exciting has happened to me really, uh, apart from watching Star Trek again, which is always fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of, we're back again this week with a new episode to talk about. Um, so I know we teased last week that we might be doing uh, a season two Picard episode, but that is coming. It's it's on its way. Uh, but in the interim, we are doing a fun episode, uh, which I got to choose this time. And because I got Whee. to choose, I've picked my favorite episode of season two of Lower Decks, uh, which is called Wedge Dudge. 
Yes. Three Warning. ships in Klingon. Yeah. Oh, I, I, okay. Wedge I'm. I mostly picked it because uh, I wanted to be able to say Wedge Dudge on the t- on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we get too far into it, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of Wedge Dudge in your patented manner? Uh, yes, I would. Um, the Cerritos are enjoying some much-needed R&R. The Lower Decks are discussing what they're going to do with their time off, and it turns out that only Boimler is lacking in a bridge officer, buddy. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, aboard a Klingon Bird of Prey and a Vulcan Cruiser, we see the Lower Deck officers engaging with their own duties that aren't that much different. The Vulcans struggle with potential emotional outbursts, while the Klingons fight it out for a new first officer. Boimler tries to suck up to bridge officers unsuccessfully, pissing off um, all forms of security officer. Um, We cut back to the Klingon bird of prey, where one of the lower decks officers, Moa, is um, trying to persuade his captain to make him first officer by impressing him. Meanwhile, on the Vulcan ship, um, a Lower Decks officer, Talin, is being criticised for a lack of self-control and random emotional outbursts. On the Cerritos, Holodeck, Boimler tries befriending the Doctor, and then the Captain. They're respectively rock-climbing and shooting at their daughter, um, but he fails to get either of their attentions. Uh, Boimler runs into Commander Ransom, who is with a small group of people, apparently all from Hawaii. It's a hangout club, so Boimler lies and says he's from Hawaii. Um, meanwhile, on the B- Vulcan ship, punilati- punitive spiritualism is happening. Uh, there's debate and argument, and um, these emotional outbursts and working on this research project is uh, all very naughty. On the Klingon ship, the captain um, is speaking with Moa, who appoint, uh, and the captain appoints him first officer due to his adherence to tradition, and he learns the Klingon captain is manipulating the uh, packleds to attack the Federation. The Klingons meet with the pack. Who've blown up an asteroid? The Cerritos has gone to investigate because it just saw a giant explosion on its sensors. Uh, and um, it assumes the Klingons are allies, but uh, all the ships quickly go to red alarm. Um, the Cerritos uh, crew attends battle stations in their recreation gear, and the Hawaii gang, running from their holodeck of Hawaii, are stuck in a corridor. And Boimler admits that he doesn't want to die a liar, so he says he's not from Hawaii. Everyone else admits the same, but then it turns out everyone but Boimler are all from Moons. So they start Moon Club and leave Boimler out of it. On the Klingon ship, Moa challenges the captain, saying that others have tried this before and it is dishonorable to have others fight your battles. The Cerritos is struggling when the Vulcan ship appears to assist. Talene offers her new research project to her captain, a regenerative shield, which seems to help him. Boosts the shield to 120%, who start, and the, sh- uh, the, the Vulcans start to fire. Still a pretty even match, though, but aboard the Klingon vessel, the challenge is beginning in earnest. With uh, Mo- And is saved by the Targ, he helped look after earlier as a Lower Decks member, and manages to stab his captain and order the ship to withdraw. The Cerritos and the Vulcan ship decide to give the Packlet ship what for, until that also withdraws. Uh, the Vulcan ship says there's no need for further communication if Cerritos doesn't require assistance, and um, also decides that the impulsive young Talene should be put on a Starfleet vessel for her outburst. She says she does not think that this action is warranted. That's the exact kind of emotional outburst that's not tolerated on a Vulcan vessel. Uh, back on the Cerritos, Boimler worries about not making a friend in the bridge crew, but then learns that Ransom recommended a junior officer come speak to him, calling him the most organised person aboard. And that is how the episode ends. 
Thank you very much, Nathan. Um, I love this episode. I got, I picked it because when I watched this series the first time round, I thought this was the best one um, mm. in a series full of good episodes. So um, I'm intrigued to find out what you guys think of it. Uh, so, uh, Maddie, what what are your immediate thoughts? I I really enjoyed it. I mean, you guys know that um, lower decks is just kind of not so much my style compared to live action trek however yeah i i did really enjoy it like this was a really strong episode it made me giggle um they, it was really nice seeing all the different ship lower decks be paralleled with each other <laughs> and, yeah oh god it just made me realize that like much as i fantasize about i don't know being on a vulcan science vessel it would be completely insufferable and i would be fired <laughs> within about two minutes <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Everything seemed perfectly reasonable there to me. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, yeah. slot right in. It's like a, yeah, it's like imagine this podcast, but with three Nathans. It would be... <laughs> Nathan's like that would be great. That's I, I, to be honest, I think that's what a lot of the people who get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter think that they would like. Uh... You wouldn't like it, listeners. You wouldn't like it. I'm telling you now. <laughs> Is that what they I, say? They want to kick us off the podcast and just have more of Nathan? Is that really what the <laughs> listeners are saying? <laughs> I don't think they say that. I don't think they think... say it in that, in that many words, but I think that's what <laughs> they think they want. And then if they got it, one week we should just do an episode where Nathan does the episode on his own and, uh, and see what they think. Yeah, we could have an egotistical schizophrenic breakdown. That's what we could have. That's what that is. So we should we should do that as a run of episodes where Nathan gets one week, Maddie gets one week, and I get one week on my own, and we just see which oh one gets God. the best, which one gets the most listens. Oh well, God, it's it'd be, be Maddie's so because she controls the uh, Instagram where yeah, most of our listeners find out about the episode. Yeah, it would be Maddie. Because <laughs> it wouldn't post us, would she? Because also, Maddie's the more. The, I think Maddie's more like interesting to listen to than me and you. Cause oh, she, she... Well, I'm not prepared to admit that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I... no, I loved. I, this is a. I think this is probably. Lower Deck's strongest episode? Ever. Like, yeah, maybe. What? I think this one and the, and the one that follows it, which is the season finale of, of Series 2, are both really strong episodes. Yeah, um, that's true. And But I, I think this one is... I think this one's one of the funniest ones, as well as one of the most sort of Star Trek-y ones, where it's got like an actual kind of... It's, it's, it's got a proper Star Trek plot to it. In that you know, it's it's about there's this scheme that the Klingons have got, or the others one Klingon ship has got to try and stop stop the peace, and they're like teaming up with packleds, and and you know then all of these different people have to come together to try and solve a problem, and that that's very Star Trekky in itself. But it's also got loads of silly jokes in it that aren't mm. just sort of lip service jokes. There are a few lip service jokes as well, but like the there are lots of like like the you alluded to the bit in in your intro, which is one of my favourite bits, where on the pack-led ship, that when they're under attack, rather than having red alert, they've got a really <laughs> sad-sounding pack-led going, red alarm, red, red alarm. alarm. Red alarm. It's so funny. <laughs> it's alarm. so good. And they briefly have a cutaway gag to the lower deck pack-leds, don't they? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm hungry, you should eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And clever. a cutaway gag to the Borg as well. Yes, the Borg the, lower the... decks are just silently plugged into I the machines. That. Yeah, it's over the um, uh, <laughs> over the end credits. It's, that's what you get is just the the lower deck 
Borg and it's just them sat in silence doing nothing the entire thing. And I watched all of the final credits in the hope that there would be like a payoff at the end of that, that like one of them would do something funny at the end and it doesn't. It's just them sat there silently completely <laughs> for the entire thing and then it ends. <laughs> Excellent. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. I don't, which of uh, out of all the lower decks, like if you could be in the lower decks for a day, where would you go? Where would you like to visit? Just for fun. Oh, for for a day, it's different because, like, for a day, I would rather be in like I think for a day, I would rather be in the pack led lower decks because <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, because it seems <laughs> that you don't have to do. Food. Yeah, exactly. It sounds. It seems fun. You just get. You don't really have to do any work. You get a load of food. They all seem fairly nice. You just sit there doing nothing. You'd be the most attractive out of all of them. Um, (laughs) Like, I I would much for a day. I'd much rather be in the pack lower decks. But if I had to choose which one I wanted to serve on, and and be there like as a career, you'd obviously go with the Klingon one because you could go from being. (laughs) Because you, you can go as a... Whoa! Yeah, yes. Wow! I would bring honour to the lower decks. <laughs> wow! Oh, well you done, Nathan. That's the... We've got a polyglot up in here. I can't I believe know, it's taken like 97 speak, episodes on, I had to look up lower decks, that. but I would bring honour to is a phrase that anyone who wants to speak a bit of Klingon should I'm, know. I'm worried a little bit that you know the Klingon for I would bring honour to because... I know you've been writing your vows for your wedding and (laughs) (laughs) I will bring honour to the The, glorious My wedding is basically a Vulcan marrying a Klingon. What would be brilliant though is if you did if 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 you did your uh, your wedding vows and and Anna did hers in Russian and then you did yours in Klingon but then all of the Russian people would know that you weren't speaking Russian, but all of your side of the wedding would just assume you were speaking Russian. That's so <laughs> funny. That's so good. <laughs> well, that's actually sort of the thing we've done. Not with the vows, but like whenever we've come up against a uh, uh, a tradition, we've gone... Uh, we've gone uh, that we don't want to do. We've been like, oh well, it's English tradition to not do that. And then if it's uh, <laughs> then if we're speaking to the other side of the family, it's like, oh well, it's Russian tradition to not do that. So <laughs> you know, they don't need to know what uh, what stuff we're refusing to do just because we can't be asked. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They don't need to put put pressure on us. I'm I'm um, looking forward to your wedding. I'm still trying to track down uh, Starfleet ceremonial uniform that I can wear to it, but uh, that might not happen in the end. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, if you were going to pick one to serve on, you'd pick the Klingon one because, like, as is shown in this episode, you can go from being an ensign in the lower decks to being the captain of the ship in one day if you if things go right, if things go your way that day, and you. Like manage to mm. honorably kill the captain for some reason. You can just become the captain. There's no like hierarchy. You don't have to like. Well, I mean, there is a hierarchy, but you don't have to climb it the way that you would have to climb it in a Starfleet ship. So like, you you definitely go with the Klingon one. And yeah, yeah. you've got to deal with like being headbutted because you've got to go and get some more blood wine. But like, that's just part <laughs> and of what you've got to deal with. Someone might immediately kill you. Yeah, uh, but if you're but if you're good enough to 
to kill the captain. Oh, this is the typical overconfidence of the of the straight white man. Drake <laughs> reckons that he wouldn't lose any of the fights. <laughs> well, oh, I, I don't goodness. think I would. If I'm honest, I think I, could, <laughs> I think I think I could easily become. I could easily overthrow a Klingon ship, become captain, and then remain captain indefinitely until I died of old age. But I wouldn't die of old age because I'm a Klingon, and that would be dishonourable. And that would be how they found out that I wasn't really a Klingon. They'd be like, oh, he's dying of old age. Oh, wait, that's dishonourable, but he's happy with it. Oh, he's not a Klingon. Oh, wow, that's actually a really cool, honourable thing to have done, is to have, like pretended to be a Klingon for ages and he's, he's been double-crossing us all this time. That's cool and honourable, actually. We're going to make him our god. And then that I become like... And then they'd, how then they'd start feel about deception. Did you not uh, see yeah, then, that the entire point of this episode was that when there was deception <laughs> on the Klingon ship, that caused a mutiny, which everyone else was got behind and they killed the captain. So, like, yeah. you, you would be killed. You no, I don't killed. think I would though. I'd, I'd just, I'd win the fight though. I'd, I'd be so good at fighting that they would actually change the way they build. Jake, they you think can't about... fucking see. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, I could. <laughs> I don't need to see. I could. I like, can they just wouldn't feel need to sneak up behind on you. I reckon that your eyesight is less than the length of a batman. It's just a lunge. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is true. That's so but true. I'd, uh, I, yeah, but I. I've got. I'm like Daredevil though. Like with the re- reduction in my sight, the uh, the rest of my uh, senses have, have become increased to the point where I could like fight. I could fight off a Klingon. I could fight off like three Klingons at once. I reckon uh, with that, with my eyes shut. I reckon that's how good I am. Right. So to move on from that utter nonsense, um, I think <laughs> I quite like to be on the Vulcan ship because don't you think it'd be really funny to try and wind them all up while you're on the lower decks? Like they're all stood around doing their incredibly boring maths projects, um, like do, 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 and then you could just start humming in the corner, maybe crunching on some <laughs> popcorn, turn on the telly just a little bit too loud, and they'd go absolutely <laughs> fucking mental. It would be yeah, so they funny. Would. I would, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, when they're doing the meditation, if you, if, oh, like, because yeah. I love that scene in this one when they're you doing the meditation. You just play Mario Kart in the corner. <laughs> yeah, with the sounds turned on, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Or is it more annoying with the sounds turned off so all you can hear is, like, the tapping of the the, the controller mm, buttons? Mm, yeah, test both on alternate meditation days, I think. <laughs> I, I love that, the, um, the punishment that, uh, I can't remember the character's name now, but the 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 sort of main uh, Vulcan that we meet, the, her punishment for speaking out of turn is two days of meditation. <laughs> like, it's like oh. go and meditate for two days. <laughs> You're like, if my work now gave me a punishment of go and meditate for two days, I'd be like, yes, thank you very much. I'm getting a two days paid holiday. Yeah, yeah, it is funny, isn't yeah. it? Did you see that like news story of those guys that got lost at sea for like 29 days? And then when they got rescued, they said it was a nice break from the world. <laughs> <laughs> I I really enjoyed in this episode the uh, the seeing what it's like on a on a Klingon ship, like the the bit at the start where they're just talking about their jobs that they've got for the rest of the day, and you, you kind of like it, you rem- you get reminded that like. Because I think when you see Klingon ships in Star Trek normally, you tend to just see the bridge crew and they all seem to just be like, you know, 
it's really dark and dingy and a bit miserable, even though it's a spaceship and they're kind of doing like Klingon-y things. But you have to remember that there has to be like people who are Klingons who like are running that ship. Like there has to be like a Klingon cleaner and like Feeding a Klingon. The worms. Yeah, exactly. Like the and and the, those things don't seem to be particularly kind of honourable things. Uh, but those the, there have to be Klingons who do them and have to try and like convince themselves that it's honourable. No. There's um, I wanna. Maybe after episode 100 or something, I want to do a run of episodes on... Like, I'll try and handpick the episodes, because there's a lot of them. More than I think our listeners would have patience for as a, <laughs> a run. Um, but maybe I'll pick five or so episodes of TNG and DS9. Because they kind of have a nice through line of um, Klingon episodes. Do you know, like, you know that... You, you'll know, Jake, the episode where... Picard um, arbitrates the succession and so on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and cool. then there's some more stuff with that, and then DS9 deals with, picks up that Klingon politics as well. Um, and it's a really good through line of episodes that shows both life on Klingon ships and Klingon politics and Klingon behaviour in a really nice way. I think they're an interesting set of episodes that are worth, worth us watching. But yeah, I love... Uh, I still think this gives a new, like, interesting dimension. I mean, I really liked the take on uh, Klingon camaraderie and bravado here. It's like, yes, the honor is palpable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. like the idea that they're, like, ringing their mums at weekends and, and, <laughs> and like, their mums being like... Like like pushy parents who are like say like say like oh are you are you are you the captain yet have you overthrown the captain yet like, <laughs> yeah. like oh I'm still cleaning out the the bloodworms but the, it's that is an honourable job it's actually more honourable than you realise it is <laughs> <laughs> I think it is honourable it's so honourable the most honourable jobs in society are the key workers and essential workers that keep things going and that is absolutely why we should all clean out the bloodworm barrels. <laughs> My favourite thing about the episode is, like, I think what um, Lower Decks does really well is take the humour in things in Star Trek that are quite serious by sort of overplaying them, but in a loving way. And my favourite yes. moment of that was when, is it Dax? Or, no, what's he called? Drax? Stax? Drax, the, be- yeah. the Bajoran. The Bajoran yeah. officer, like, absolutely loses his mind when Boimler suggests that he learned how to do pottery on beige. And he's like, do you think I had time to learn pottery? Fighting fascists is a full-time job! Nah! <laughs> And yeah. then he like, goes yeah. ham and destroys the pottery. It's great. And then, I just thought that was so lovely. It's like one of those And then Rutherford has to calm I don't down know. It's just, yeah. I think Lower Decks really kind of makes the jokes that you as a Star Trek fan are already making in your own head, which is yeah. really, yes, really nice. Yeah. But it doesn't do it in a way that actually mocks yeah, the that source bit was material great. And then, um, in a mean way. So I really like that. Yeah, I I loved that bit and like the the yeah Rutherford calming him down at the end by by saying like yeah I I love that bit as well and I I love the the way Rutherford sort of calms tracks down afterwards where he's uh, calling him Papa Bear and uh, and he's he's like saying to himself going uh, I'm going to fight I'm going to get revenge I'm going to make a cute little ashtray for my incense and it's going to look like a puppy <laughs> yeah put put the anger into the clay. Yeah, <laughs> put it in the clay, yeah. Papa Bear. Put it in the clay. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Um, no, it it like, and I think also 
by, I think it's fair to say, Lower Decks kind of expands what a Star Trek show is a little mm. more widely. I, I, I sincerely don't think that without Lower Decks you would get Prodigy, for example. Um, yeah. I just don't think they would greenlight yes. that show if, if Lower Decks hadn't gone ahead and been a success. And this is the kind of episode that's really hard for regular Star Trek to do. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think you would have these cutaway gags and stuff, because it's very much a comedy staple. Like, I can think of a dozen of, like, I don't know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine does it all the time, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of the grammar of those kinds of shows. It's the grammar of um, a lot of yeah. sitcom-style shows and things like that. But it's not really in the visual grammar of Star Trek, um, so you at least not outside of lower deck, so it, so they can't really do the like cutaway gag or the or switching between like different vessels that we've never seen before. Um, yeah, they all kind of have to be introduced in a context, kind of thing. We um, it's weird that you mentioned uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine because there's a there's a crossover here with this episode because what the cast the, the one of the guest cast members of this episode the um the male vulcan lower decker the one who can play chess the one who says that he's he's able to play chess is played by mark evan jackson who is um a very good pop famous uh american uh comedy actor who was in brooklyn 99 he plays uh uh kevin you know um the it's a, Raymond Holt's husband. Um, in, in that, that's the. Oh, the, right, yeah. Yes, yeah. And he's I he's been in lots is. of things. Yeah, yeah, I really yeah. Like he's in Good Omens as well. He's um, he's in a lot of things and he's really great and I really like him. But yeah, he and I thought he was very good because he's got that kind of voice of uh, the kind of he's got he's got that sort of dignified voice that you would expect a, a Vulcan to have, and I think he plays yeah. it really well, even though he's a very small yeah. character. Um, that's fun though. Yeah. No, no, but it's I agree really with you. Weird, it's a really weird thing about animation that if they don't make the characters after their likeness, you're just like, I don't know who the fuck you are until you see them for later and you can miss, like... Like, if this was a live-action show, I'd be like, oh, that Vulcan was played by that dude that I've seen in that thing. Um, but I but, just... it's I think it's a degree harder because you have one less thing to... See, I'm the opposite of that, but I think this is because I'm blind and that I'm just... Uh, be- I'm. I'm better at hearing the tone of voices and people and things like that, so I can recognise voices really easily um, in like shows like this. But then, yeah, it, I know what you mean though. You, sometimes it's 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 kind of it's less fun than going, "Ooh, what's that guy in?" Like when you see them on the telly. Although I remember when we did Magic, that makes the the Sinus Man go mad, and uh, Maddie had no idea that the that Harry Mudd was played by uh, Dwight, Dwight from The Shreve. Office until I mentioned it. Oh, God, it. That, oh, that absolutely <laughs> blew my mind. That was, yeah, <laughs> life-changing moment that was. I've, I've just read uh, his... He's called Rain Wilson, the actor. I've just read his... Uh, his autobiography uh, and he's a massive star trek fan so it, he was like a really Aww. big like fan of the show before he got to be on it so that made me happy that he eventually got to be on the show um other quotes from this episode that i wanted to bring up uh, that i think were quite kind of like in the tone of what you were saying maddie about like taking sort of serious star trekky things and making a joke out of them are the bit where um one of the the klingons says uh 
The Empire used to choke the Quadrant with fear power, but now we've lost our way. And then the other one responds, uh, The Empire still strikes terror. Klingon blood runs as reddish pink as ever. So slightly, like... Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of it being reddish pink. Yeah, I had no idea that it was reddish pink. I was kind of confused when he started bleeding so that was yeah a nice bit of a star trek lore that i learned today to add to my knowledge yeah. on biology well i always just assumed it was normal red blood but i guess maybe no that. no no it yeah it's pink in it's pink in it's pink in uh, what's that film where you see going on blood um voyage home this is the last of the tos films anyway it's pink in that because they show Klingons getting assassinated in it, uh, in high-tech anti-grav mode. And it always been red blood, they wanted red blood, uh, but then the people said, oh, that's a bit too gory, you're going to you're gonna have to increase your age rating if you want that. And they were like, what if it was pink blood? And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> we're fine with that. So weirdly, they were just like, okay, well, we'll make it pink, but then obviously it's been red in other places so now it's just this weird like thing. <laughs> <Pink> <laughs> That's red. really funny. I think, I think that's right. Um, not cling <clears throat> on Bloodwine, just cling on Blood Google. Um, I wonder what colour Klingon piss is. <laughs> I think it's different colours depending which penis it comes out of. Yeah. yeah, in undiscovered, it's undiscovered country. It was portrayed as pink and lavender, while in next gen and Deep Space Nine, it was red, and that was because of what I just said. <laughs> That's really interesting. I really like and that. And then pink blood reappears <coughs> in um, Star Trek Discovery. I like that. Um, I like it. it's like a it's like a subtle feminine palette for Klingon internal organs. Well, I, I, I Star Trek headcanon to marry this problem of them having red and pink blood. Maybe one set of their redundant veins is pink and one set is, is red. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I quite like that, actually. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah, daft. Um, can we talk about the funny pack lads again, please? Because I really oh, like yes. them. They're so dumb. I, they're, they're like... I, I know. They're so, <clears throat> like... They're so menacing because they're so dumb you think they can't possibly be a threat. But in fact, the fact that they're so dumb almost makes them more dangerous. They're just... Yeah, they're just terrible. They're, they're the worst, but also the best. I really, I love the fact that um, when they bring the uh, the Klingon over to the ship, uh, he, the 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 main Packled comes over and and goes, uh, "Welcome to the Packled spaceship, Packled." They just called <laughs> yeah. the ship Packled because they can't think of a better name for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he say, he says, "I am Rebner," and then the Klingon's like, "Yes, Rebner, we've met several times." <laughs> yeah. I like to I think that Rebner's that. fucking with him just by doing that every single yeah. time. <laughs> that would be great. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. I love the idea. That, I love the way that they they've obviously given them a bomb in the past, and then they <laughs> they, they they tested the bomb. Because they wanted to see that it worked. <laughs> and they're like, and now it stopped working. And you're like, yeah, it's a bomb. You can only use it once. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Pack led supremacy. I like that they also showed how the, the, the massive difference in sizes between the ships. I think that's not something you always necessarily get um, in Trek. Because just of how... I mean, obviously, in old Trek, you didn't always have so many shot 
lots of loads of shit yeah. together but in new trek often the battles are so fast that you don't really get to appreciate that so like seeing this like enormous pack-led hulk and then this like huge vulcan science vessel compared to the cerritos which i imagine to be enormous like it really and then the nippy little um klingon warbird it was nice to bird of prey yeah it was nice to yeah i like that i'd always assumed that like the those vulcan ships were quite small but it turns out they're the big (laughs) massive ones i I think it's because they sort of I think it's because they they look like Obi Wan Kenobi's uh, fighter jet yes! from oh, from God, the the sequel you. films. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially Kenobi. with that little circle thing that it goes in. Yeah, yeah. Mm, love it. Sorry to bring up the other franchise. I, I apologize, listeners. I know you're going to kick off for me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, I think just like wait. A lot- the difference is that a lot more shagging is done in on Obi Wan Kenobi's vessel than on the Vulcan side of the ship. I hope that that's what the new series is all about. The new Obi Wan Kenobi series is just Wait, all just of him the going shagging the he's doing. Shagging, yeah, right. Because that's <laughs> what we miss. We miss the twenty years of Obi Wan Kenobi's life where he's like, "Well, the Jedi Order's fucked. Guess I'm just might as well go around shagging everyone." <laughs> no, no, stop, <clears throat> stop talking about Kenobi shagging because I've just had a brilliant thought. Yes, you know, like you know. I don't know if this actually happens or it's just a thing that pop culture says happens. But you know how periods sync up. Do you think Ponfara uh, syncs up? Are all Vulcan ships completely fucked? (laughs) (laughs) It's a period of time as everyone on that ship like syncs up their Ponfara at the same time. (laughs) Ponfar night at the Vulcan disco. Yes, I 100% think that's true because if that doesn't happen (laughs) biologically just by itself, then without a shadow of a doubt, the Vulcan Vulcan um, medics are making that happen so that the Vulcans can pair off and fuck without, you know, causing chaos and, like, you know, potentially sexually assaulting <laughs> people, chasing them down the corridors. So, yes, I absolutely think that once every seven years, you know, it stayed, 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 and then once every seven years, there's just an all-out Vulcan orgy and things are going <laughs> yeah. absolutely mental. I want to be on the ship when that happens. Yeah, if there's yeah. there's a sort of purge night that happens where... <laughs> Where they're all allowed to just go mental with each other. There's an episode of um, uh, there's an episode of uh, Voyager where um, uh, Tuvok mind melts with uh, a human character on the ship, um, and through some plot, uh, he transfers the Ponfar to the to, to this other guy. Um, and so this human guy starts developing Ponfar and going mad and crazy and doesn't know what to do. Um, and I feel like that might be like a thing that could have happened if, if like, if a Vulcan did that with a female member of the st- of the crew, uh, like a female human, and then the female human synced up with all the other female humans, maybe that that would be like, like oh, periods. A, yeah, I don't know. In my head, that I, th- I was trying to think this this is like a way that. <laughs> Like they could, we could make it happen like canonically in the show, but I can't. I don't think that would actually work. Yeah, I don't really understand the mm. cause and effect there. I genuinely think that like Vulcan medics would be able to have the power, the the technology. To uh, do yeah, that. I think that just. Happens. I think they would as I well. Think it that, is that in that fact like a... only logical. It is yes, of course exactly. logical, logical to maintain order on the ship by having everyone fuck or die at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of logic, uh, 
that I've got a fun fact about one of the lines in this episode where um mm-hmm. yeah where to 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 Lynn I think she's called the um the Vulcan uh lady uh Good. says log she says logic is the beginning of wisdom not the end um and that is her directly quoting Spock from the undiscovered country um oh. so that I thought that was quite a cool little uh fact yeah it's a fact that yeah. sort of it's a fact that kind of triggers me slightly because my <laughs> school motto was the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when she said that, <laughs> in my head, Sorry, in my head I'm just, in head I'm just singing the school song. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right, I have two questions. Firstly, what the fuck? That's terrifying. <laughs> and, Correct. Uh, and secondly, you had a school song? <laughs> Look, Look, I went to a very posh school, okay? We had a school song and we had a very intense <laughs> motto that they they changed sometime <laughs> around 2013 when they decided it was a bit too intense for the 21st what, century. What sort of situations do you sing the school song? Like, every school day? Assemblies. Like, no! Holy school, shit, assemblies! No, like, every day. day. You have an assembly every day. Yeah, but... Yeah, but we don't sing it every bloody assembly. <laughs> I thought it might have been we like sing Americans. other hymns. We sing other Look, hymns. Look, Maddie, you assembly. can't be getting at us for thinking this is weird, <laughs> not knowing how it works. You're just like, <laughs> oh, obviously, Jake, you don't sing it at everyone. God, didn't you go to school? It's like, no, we didn't go to a weirdo school. You didn't go to a fucking a... weirdo school. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, we sang other hymns. We only sang hymns maybe twice a week, possibly three times. More if you were in choir. <laughs> I was going to ask somebody. I was going to say, was it a religious school? Of course, it was a religious yes. school. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It was a very religious school. <laughs> Just to make it clear, like we had critical thinking skills, and none of us thought that the school motto meant shit. <laughs> you weren't like indoctrinated into Catholicism because of it. No, yeah, it was kind of hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's this terrifying motto. Do you know what the new motto is? Is it just as terrifying? Oh, I, oh, it was like seek wisdom and knowledge, something really boring and like pussyfooting. You know, like any you know random motto generator dot com. <laughs> Honestly, I prefer the old one because at least it has character. We we need a motto for the podcast. I think we've come up with several in the past, but I don't remember what any of them were. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> Seek wisdom I, and penises. That should be alright. <laughs> penises are not the beginning of the podcast. They are the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I really liked as well. Like the other thing I liked um, about this episode is just like again, it is more. It's more little inside jokes, but like. Sometimes Lower Decks does a really good job of making jokes that I also think would be jokes in the Star Trek. Like so, like when the Klingon Lower Decker goes, like rather than live long and prosper, he does it as avoid death and cower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh like, yes! I believe, so I believe a Klingon would like say that. Like this is one of the things that. Um, because like I was talking to one of my friend again to bring up the other franchise, my one of my friends was rewatching the sequel series of Star Wars. Yeah, and he was saying one I'm of so the sorry. <laughs> one of 
One of the problems he thinks it has is it does the Marvel thing a bit too much, which is even more distracting because it's Star Wars, and he doesn't particularly like it when Marvel does it, of being like, side-eye to camera quip, yes? Mm. It's like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the, the film equivalent of, what's the deal with airline food? <laughs> Am I right? Whereas I think Lower Decks could fall into that if they didn't have such a great sense of which character should deliver what line in what context to who to make the audience go, oh, you're joking about the thing. Yes, Um, you're right. I agree. While it still moves things along nicely. Yeah, it's like well written. They don't just shove in a gag for the for the sake of having a gag like oh we really want to put in this gag so let's just like ram it in here it's it is it does all flow and it does all feel natural yeah i think that's that, that's a good point and i think the the episode because I, I watched the episode that comes immediately after this one um after i watched this one for the podcast today and it, it's a season finale so it's obviously got a lot of plot that it has to go through um and it has to be sort of big and exciting but it, it's also still a comedy show and it's still got all those jokes, but it doesn't feel like they've gone uh, jokes ahead of of plot. Like they, they still want to try and, but they also haven't gone, well, we're going to make this episode not as funny as the other ones. Like they're, they're all very funny and they're all very plot driven still. Like the, the jokes come from the plots being sort of a little bit silly and because the plot there but they're still star trek plots because star trek plots are always a little bit silly but they just don't like draw attention to that whereas this is them like it's like saying what would happen if we did draw attention to the the silliness of like a show that's set in space where all these things keep going wrong and whatever um and and i think it works really well and i think that's that's why this is i would say better than something like rick and morty which is made by the same people where it's space, but everything's hilarious or everything's meant to be hilarious. Uh, like, you know, I think it, it doesn't, it's not as subtle. It lacks the kind of uh, thought and, and kind of process that I, I imagine goes into writing lower decks. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, this show is probably the modern Star Trek I most want to write for, if I was a writer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love um, to see Nathan humour on this show. I think it would be so funny. <laughs> and also so interesting. We should write a script and then uh, like, let do a reading of it or something like that for a special podcast. Yeah, I like... How self-indulgent do you want to be? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I think unless you've got anything specific about this episode that you want to talk about, uh, we can move on to the important questions. I just briefly wanted to highlight that I do really like how Mariner and uh, who's the captain? Her mum's relationship has um, developed and the fact that now they're in a position where even though they continue to gripe and complain at each other now it is genuinely with that understanding that the affection behind it is really really rock solid which is really really nice mm. and it was just such yeah. a nice touch when boimler is like oh i guess i'll go talk to mario and the captain comes in they're screaming at each other about periods and hot flushes and then yeah, he's like yeah. banging the door like get me out get me out now and then Mar- <laughs> and then mariner's like oh thank god i can finally go 
and the captain's like, yeah, but I had a nice day. And Mariner's like, me too. Okay, I'm going now. And it's like, oh, that's like a nice kind of realistic mother, like tension filled, but ultimately loving mother daughter relationship. So I like, I like that. That's character development. Yeah, that was really nice. And, and, and I think also you don't see that very often in Star Trek. You don't see sort of, um, parental relationships parental child relationships yeah, that are like wholesome like yeah, the ones yeah. that you do see tend to be quite complicated and yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and this is like a real one it's like it's not like it's not so like overly saccharine and and sweet that it, like you you believe that they're actually a real like mother and daughter who are forced to live and work together um which i really enjoyed and that's a good point i hadn't thought about that but yeah i think that's a really good point well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's very good at doing both the comedy and the plot. I mean, it's sort of, um, this is a bit retroactive because I haven't thought of this, but it's only watching this again. When um, Strange New Worlds started coming out, I think the conversation was like, how nice to have a traditional Star Trek show that's episodic and stuff, and I'm like, I feel like you're underselling, uh, underselling Lower Decks a bit there, because I would argue, yeah, it, it it does a lot of that. I don't think it's the same, and I know what people mean and so on, but I think you would be wrong to think that Lower Decks isn't got that episodic style. It doesn't have a plot and and so on. Yeah, yeah. It it certainly has the character relationships, like we've just said. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I think it. it pe- people write it off because it's a comedy, but that doesn't mean that it can't also be a good. They can't have good plots and good storylines, and like, mm. and and still be uh, like worthwhile Star Trek, and like have, you know, the stuff that happens in Lower Decks is still canon. So, like, why wouldn't you pay attention to it just as much as you would pay attention to something that was happening on? like live action track oh god let's not get started on the whole canon debacle again though because remember we had to address that the other week when people were like Captain Robert April can't be black because he wasn't black in two seconds of <laughs> uh, yeah that's a, a good point yeah yeah fuck that Robert April can be whatever he wants to be mate also um, canon can be whatever the fuck he wants it to be if you don't like canon bomb it that's fine create your own you can just do what you like it's, yeah, exactly. It's That's in, the whole. It's not, none of it's real. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's about it, it's about magic spacemen who live in the future. Like, <laughs> fucking get over it. Like, yeah. anyway, <laughs> before we get too far into it, um, would you like to do the important questions for this episode? Yeah, let's do the important questions. Okay, great. So, so obviously, our first question is: Who in this episode uh, would we most like to see wearing a fez? Pack lead. The back led would always look good in a fez. My suggestion was going to be uh, Shax when he gets angry and and he's uh, (laughs) like screaming about how uh, fighting fascism is a full time job. If he was just doing damn right that it is. It is yes. You're so valid, Shax. You're so valid. Thank you for fighting the good fight. <laughs> I would definitely take him uh, more seriously if he was wearing a fez when he said it, though. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, or I... he's just building a little fez instead of making pottery. They're actually just sewing tiny fezzes. That's what they were doing. Yeah, in the craft craft group. Or if uh, the 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 targ that um, that they've got on the 
on the Klingon ship, the little like pet thing, if that just had a little fez on as well, I feel like it would like just make it look a little bit cuter. Like mm, if there would, was like would. if there was just like one like camp Klingon who decided that he was going to try and add some flair to the the to proceedings <laughs> by putting a little putting a little fez on on the guy and like throwing a like putting a lampshade up somewhere and putting a throw over the back of the captain's chair or something. Yeah, or on the Vulcan ship, um, Talin, or whatever her name is, like, wears a fez, and that's a sign of how, like, out of control, unhinged radical she is, because all the other Vulcans look normal, and she's just wearing a fez. (laughs) Okay, I think they're all good ideas. Um, Our second uh, question is the Klim question. A Klim is a space Karen, so who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the manager? Obviously, Talin. I mean, she's she literally goes to speak to the manager. She like barges in and is like, "Captain, uh, we have to do this." Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's true. She yeah, I think even though she's got a point, like she's still going about it in energy. quite a Karenish way. Yeah, yeah, big Karen energy. But also from her friend, actually, when they're like snarking at each other in the meditation, she's like, "I believe that you are insulting me." No, I am not insulting you. I am merely suggesting that you join me on my vibe or whatever. That was all <laughs> Karen. Yeah, yeah. There's, but then also like the um, the the I can't remember his name, but the the Klingon who, uh, the Kling, the Klingon lower decks guy who ends up mm. becoming captain. He's quite got a bit of Karen energy as well, where he's like, well, well like have you ta- have you talked to the to the High Council about this? And you know, like um, he's like kicking off about true. about Could his be. captain doing Could things be. he wants to do and stuff. I feel like there's a lot of Karen energy in this. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Karens going around. Uh, and then the final question is obviously who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock. I reckon it's the pack in lower decks. I mean, they've not got anything <laughs> else to do. <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be, doesn't it? Like it, the only other thing I can think is that if, uh, like, that's what the the Vulcans get up to in their two days of, medica- of meditation <laughs> when they get they're in trouble and they're like, oh yeah, the. the Deep meditation involves like being in a particular position, and that position has a penis inside your mouth. I bet um, they could do it as well. Like, I bet they're great at yoga, and they could definitely do it. Yeah, like yeah, that should be their slogan. They're like flexible in mind, flexible like, in body. Yeah, they're like, they're like inflexible in mind, flexible in body, like Logic inflexible. Is- the beginning of wisdom, not the wait. No, sucking your cock is the beginning of life. No, I need to work on this, but I'll get there. <laughs> well, I I think that's all of them. Then I think that's that's everything yep. for this episode. Um, it's been a really fun one. I've uh, had a nice time. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think next week we're going to do season two of Picard in one whole episode, and we may or may not be joined by a special guest. Uh, but Hells we'll uh, we'll uh, we will. We will let you know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. I've seen it all already. I think Maddie and Nathan have still got a little bit left to watch. Um, a tiny bit more. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that with you all next week. I'm sure we've all got uh, some uh, big opinions about that because a lot happens. Um, yep. But... Uh, other than that, uh, as always, you can get in touch with us on social media at RedShirtsCast on Instagram and f- on Twitter, or you can send us an email if you want to suggest an episode or you just want to comment on anything that we've said, uh, then you can send that to RedShirtsCast at gmail.com. Um, and as ever, if you're listening to this before uh, August 2022, I'm doing my stand-up comedy show, Neurotica, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, which will be on at midday every day from the 4th to the 29th of August. 
August uh, at Cabaret Voltaire. So please come to that. Tickets are free. Just turn up and come and see the show. Uh, so uh, that's in August 2022. But other than that, we'll see you next week. Uh, live long and prosper and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.